The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on this Monday morning. I hope you guys had a great uh, weekend and a great Lord's Day yesterday. And before we get started, let me get some formalities out of the way. If you want to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you want to head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, you can catch the live video feed of the radio show right there on the bottom right portion of the page. Uh, just go over there in the sidebar, and it's the 6 a.m. show that's going. Just click on that. And if you'd like to join us in chat, you can do that just by clicking YouTube on there, and uh, you can become a part of what we're doing in the chat as well. Also, if you'd like to donate to the cause, uh, we do what we do out of a labor of love. <clears throat> but if you would like to help meet the needs that we have, there's a donate button on sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can click that and make a one-time donation. <clears throat> Excuse me, or you can become a monthly partner with us, a son or daughter of liberty. That button is also available at sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then our store is another way you can help support us by clicking on that. We've got t-shirts, hats, water bottles, coffee mugs, all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, that when you get a product, you help us out, too, uh, in the funding of things that we've got to do. And then finally, over at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, if you would, just scroll down just a little bit above where the radio shows are, and there's a place where you can put your email in. We don't rent your email out. We don't sell it. We don't spam you. You get one email a day at near the end of the day, sometime after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, that gives you all of the articles that we've put up for the day that either I or Bradley or our contributors put out. And uh, that's another way you can help support us as well, as well as sharing all this on social media, which, by the way, you can pick up on Twitter at BradleyDean1, Periscope and Twitch at Setting Brush Fires, our Facebook page at BradleyDeanSOL, our YouTube channel, look up BradleyDean on YouTube, BeforeIt'sNews.com, we're right there on the front page if you want to pick us up there, DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty, and Cutting Edge TV on Roku, and we appreciate everybody uh, supporting us in that. Good morning, everyone. And this morning, we're going to have uh, a treat here uh, because um, my friend Scott has, we, we've been friends for, for, for a number of years now. And um, 
we we have some differences of opinion, but uh, we've always remained friends. We've respected one another in uh, whatever areas that we're dealing in. Scott's very meticulous in a lot of uh, things that he deals with, and I appreciate that. I've learned some things from him, and I appreciate that. But this is the first time I've had him on. Uh, he's had me on his show some years back, I think he was to distance himself a little, little bit from me. <laughs> but uh, I'm thrilled to have him on today because we've, we've been having a converse, conversation probably over the last month about some things that are, that are taking place, some players that have kind of come into the political scene. And I, you know, some of it we want to hold off on for just a little bit. Uh, but some other things that we were talking about this past week, especially regarding General Flynn and Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood, we kind of got into I said, well, we can take this on. And Scott says, yeah, we can talk about that. So Scott got up really early this morning <laughs> to join me, and I want to welcome to the Sons of Liberty, Scott Adams from the Scott Adams Show. Hey, Tim. How are you? I'm great, man. Great to have you with us. Good to see you up. And uh, uh, I was I was teasing him. He, he's got to bring Leonora on sometime. She's probably still just about to roll over or something. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's good to have you on. And if you wouldn't mind, now, people who are at Red State know who you are. But other people who are listening on the video platforms and others don't know who you are. So take a few minutes and let people know exactly who Scott Adams is. Well, Scott Adams is host of The Scott Adams Show. And uh, we've been doing that show for quite quite a while. Uh, we've had, as you mentioned, we had you on for several times, about four or five years ago, right? Uh, something like that. Yep, I think yeah. so. Yep. Somewhere around the 2015, 2016. And, um, you know, and then uh, I fell into Red State Talk Radio. And it's just been a really wonderful family of very talented um, people that I've gotten to work with and uh, real thinkers. I mean, very smart people that do a lot of research. It's citizen journalism, uh, journalism at its finest. And it's something that I really enjoy doing. All right. Well, we're happy to have you on here and people can check you out at scottadamshow.com. And yes. uh, they can also, you're, you're also syndicated as well. You're not just on Red State Talk Radio. You're on some terrestrial right. stations as well. Yeah, I'm syndicated all okay. over. I think that my flagship station is 1180WFYL.com and, uh, and then also RedStateTalkRadio.com. Okay. All right. Okay, so let's get to the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about here. Um, yeah. There is, a, there's some people that kind of jumped, that jumped in during this election cycle. And I want people to understand, look, though I've been critical of Trump, I think he not only he not only has the right, but the duty to challenge uh, voter fraud. And that's been going on for some time. This isn't anything new with Trump. We've had uh, election cycle after election cycle where people like uh, James O'Keefe with the Project Veritas has exposed people who who tell you what they're doing. I mean, they they're. They're pretty specific in what they're doing in engaging in voter fraud. Sadly, we're not even seeing that those people who are caught on camera do, saying what they're saying about doing what they're doing, we don't see any arrest or justice for them over the years either. But now we've got this issue to where the numbers just absolutely, absolutely seem, seem ridiculous to me. And we've got these people who've now come in. We've got uh, General Flynn, who is part of the president's cabinet, who pled guilty. Uh, and by the way, I brought this up here. Um, you know, my windows are all moving around on me. Um, I brought this up here because I just wanted people to understand. He he admitted to lying. This is not something that somebody made up on. He admitted to lying to the FBI. 
And he said in late 2017, quote, my guilty plea and agreement to cooperate with the special counsel's office reflect a decision I made in the best interests of my family and our country. I accept full responsibility for my actions. Now, those are General Flynn's words. Um, that happened to him. Donald Trump gave him a pardon. Uh, then we have Sidney Powell coming in and doing kind of doing her own thing here. We have the Trump's legal team with Giuliani and all those guys. And then we've got this guy, Lynn Wood, popping in. But Wood, Flynn, and Powell seem to have something in common in the back to where a lot of the people that I challenged, the right-left paradigm, Scott, the Republican-Democrat thing, they have something in there that these people are jumping on. And you've got a unique perspective on that. Do you want to kind of tee that up for us? And maybe I'll bring up some of your tweets as well. Yeah, Um well, you know, I look at it from actually like a chronological linear kind of I try to I try to crystallize things. And 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 I also look at the big picture. Like if you're doing business with some guy or somebody, right? And next thing you know, uh they're going to promise you the world and they're promising you the world and they're promising you the world and you reach your hand into the pocket and it's still empty. And like, okay, I hear a lot of talking. I hear you selling your ideas, but at some point, your your pocket's still empty, right? Uh, what have you done for me lately? And uh, I haven't seen any wins from Lynn Wood. Uh, I haven't seen any wins from Sidney Powell. She couldn't even get Flynn off on a perfectly good call. So when you, when you think back, you know, think let's take it back all the way to the beginning. A lot of people are talking about you know, Flynn being on the inside, knowing where all the skeletons are buried. And once he gets free, it's going to be all hell breaks loose. And I'm beginning to, you know, I was beginning to almost see it as, wait a second, we wouldn't even be in this jam in some cases if it wasn't for the fact that Flynn, who knew Pienka and Strzok, the FBI agents that were Strzok was connected with Lisa Page, and he was he was walking around uh, taking orders from Comey, uh, along with Pienka, and they went over to the White House and they met with Flynn, and there was this um, documentary that came out. I think Cernovich put it out, and some other people. It was called um, "The Plot Against the President," and if you pay attention in that plot, it said the attorneys were taken aback and they were actually off guard about the idea that um, Flynn was in a room alone with Pianca and Strzok. And so at those levels, that's not something that's commonly done. You don't want that to be done and be in a room alone because now anything could be made up. So, you know, let's go back to 2016 during the transition. There was a lot of funky business going on. And one of the things was that Obama threw out a bunch of Russians. Kislyak makes a call to Flynn and next thing you know, Flynn is answering for that call. And there was a January 5th meeting where Biden was talking about the Logan Act and a whole bunch of other things. But at the end of the day, what it came to was that the smartest guy in the room that knew all the intelligence operatives, like Pianka, like Strzok, like Comey, he knew them all. And he knew he shouldn't have been caught dead in a room alone with any of those guys. But he did. Why? That's the first question. The second question is when he got pinched and he started to become in jeopardy, he got fired. Okay, that's the second one. He got fired within two weeks. So did Sally Yates, all enemies of the president. Well, well Sally Yates was, Rod Rosenstein was, 
and Sessions recusing himself is a whole different story. We could talk about the plumbers in Watergate and what Tim and I have talked about off air. But the idea is then he goes out and he makes another mistake. Or was it a mistake? Because nobody can make this many mistakes and be that smart. Like he hires Covington and Burlington, Burling. Covington and Burling is Eric Holder's law firm. And so I'm like, okay, that's another mistake. Why'd you do that? That never made any sense to me. And I always said, if I were to have an interview with him, I would ask him, why'd you hire Covington and Burling? Oh, I just thought that they were the best. They offered me a good deal, whatever. Next thing you know, three and a half years later, he's still in court over a perfectly good phone call. And then all of a sudden in walks Sidney Powell. And what's Sidney Powell? Sidney Powell wants to reinvent the case. She wants to start it over from scratch. And I'm beginning to wonder, I think they want to delay this thing. Why? Because if you have a cabinet member from the Trump White House in uh, defending himself over a Russian hoax, well, that might just put you right in the cookie jar to where if you were to Trump trying to release all the cookies out of the cookie jar that are uh, considered to be evidence tokens uh, for you know, for the, for the crimes that were committed in the previous administration. That's exactly where you would want to lock that cookie jar up if you were Team Obama and Team Flynn. Remember, Flynn was hired twice by Obama. Hired twice. Fired twice, too, but hired twice. He was a lifelong Democrat. So you put all these things together, and you just put them on dots on the map, and you put metadata out there, and you, you come up with your own conclusions. But the thing is, is that just like I think that Watergate was a set of plumbers paid off by the DNC. These plumbers were from Cuba. They were part of the CIA. They were socialists. They were um, communists. And you can get that straight from the movie, All the President's Men. And, you know, what better way to get Nixon than to burglarize your own headquarters at the Watergate and then do the investigation and then get some people on the inside like John Dean, who was on CNN and MSNBC during Trump's impeachment, and speak up. You got the same characters, Woodward and Bernstein. They were also uh, on the news, CNN and MSNBC, with John Dean, trying to crucify the president over this impeachment hoax. And what's interesting is the person who financed the Russian hoax was who? It was uh, Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton was part of the Watergate Commission. So it was the same play from the same playbook. It was a hoax involving Mark Felt, the FBI, a bunch of plumbers, and some infiltrators in the White House. And they took down Nixon. And so one of the things that Trump has on record, as he said, uh, he said that um, one thing I learned about Nixon and Watergate was the cover-up could be worse than the crime. And sure enough, that was the case. So Flynn put himself on the inside. Flynn was the insurance policy, but for not for the reasons that we've been told. He was the insurance policy because there was a multiple prone attack, a multiple approach to this attack to protect Trump from releasing the evidence of the crime that was committed. That I dare say still traces back in some way to Seth Rich. In, in some way. 
And that's where Julian Assange com- becomes important. That's where CrowdStrike becomes important. That's where, you know, and why things were all covered up. And that's why the Russian hoax was manufactured. And if the Russian hoax was manufactured, then you got to think back to Trump's first visit to Putin with Putin in Finland on July 16th, 2018, when they indicted four days before that meeting, 12 to 13 Russians officials as having hacked the DNC, which never happened. That was all part of a, a coup as well. That was all part of a manufactured plot to cover up crimes from a previous administration. So when, when Trump fired Comey, Rod Rosenstein, to the surprise of the attorneys, the White House attorneys, ended up hiring Mueller. And it took him two and a half years to wrap it up when he could have wrapped it up in a day. He shouldn't have even put, ever assembled it. So the same thing that happened with Flynn happened with Mueller, and it was a double approach to covering up crimes from the previous administration. And that was the special counsel with Mueller, and that was the Flynn case that took forever. And remember, finally, Trump's DOJ dismissed the case against Flynn, and you thought, okay, well, that's going to be it. But there was this judge. What was his name? Emmett Sullivan. Emmett Sullivan, the judge, wouldn't let it go. He was like, we got to have amicus briefs. We got to take this to appeal. They were like, no, we got to get rid of this case. And they brought it up to appeal. And they appealed it successfully. And they were just not going to let it go all the way through to the next election, which is 2020. Because they already went through the 2018 election and put did some damage there. And now they're to 2020 election. So not only are they covering up the crime, but they're actually getting rewarded at the polls in 2018 and in some regard 2020 by making stuff up because you have a complicit media. But the situation is that why were they delaying and why were they doing this? If Emmett Sullivan was so bad, why in the world would Sidney Powell in her book, License to Lie in 2014, write a glowing appraisal of what a fine judge Emmett Sullivan is and give him a signed copy of her book? Why would she do that? Why was she so in bed with Emmett Sullivan? And this is the guy that supposedly hates Trump and hates um, Flynn. I think he hates Trump, but I don't necessarily think he hates Flynn. I think that somehow this Flynn thing, and you say, well, I trust Sidney Powell, but how about that book? And you say, well, everybody's changes. You know, that, that was a mistake. But then you get to the, the, the current current situation where she's got this thing where she's going to release the, what, what do they call it? A Kraken? Yeah. They're going to release the Kraken, right? Well, it turns out that the Kraken is just, you know, the source of the Kraken is someone we know as to be a fraud, a complete and total fraud. Yep. Right. So I happen to know the Kraken and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and the thing about it is, is that I didn't know that the Kraken was the person that I knew until the Washington Post reporter, John Swain, who wrote the article on her, called me and literally said, uh, we know who the Kraken is. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Let me let me ask a question. Now, now the uh, John Swain from The Guardian? John Dot Swain, yeah. John okay. Swain from The Washington Post. Oh, from The Washington Post. Okay. All right. Now, he's a British guy, so he probably did write for The Guardian. Well, he probably did. He w- he followed yeah. up on the things that I told you about that I was doing 
with all the corruption that was going on down in Florida. He, but, he actually went down there and spent way, some days down there. I, I sent you a, a, an image of our phone call, right? Uh, okay. 50 minute call. Uh, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you remember seeing that when I sent you a text. Um, I, I don't. Yeah. yeah I, I can send it to you. I have okay. it in an image. All right. But well, yeah, it's probably the same John Swain. Well, one so, of the one of the issues, though, Scott, is and, you know, some people are saying we can talk about the politics all day long. And there are details of things. This is why I think it's important that people kind of hear what's going on, because what's being pitched to the American people is this um, this hope that, that this little trio of people are going to are going to fix everything. They're going to sort it all out. Kind of like they had the the, the same kind of hope they have for Donald Trump. Um and they have that going on. And one of the things that always comes to mind with this is, you know, and we go back to scripture, we go back to the constitution. You mentioned the CIA. They're not found in this document. They're not found in the US Constitution. They're not authorized in this constitution. In fact, our law enforcement uh, officers in the constitution are none other than the people uh, defined as the militia, uh, Article One, Clause Eight, 5, uh, Section Fifteen, and or Section Eight, Clause Fifteen. Excuse me. And one of the things that I'm reminded of is when people get, you know, this this thing to where they're looking at these people to be their, to be the you know silver bullets, the 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 saviors in the matter. I'm often reminded of, of what Scripture says, Second Corinthians eleven fourteen and 15. It says, And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their actions. And one of the things that you're doing here as you're bringing in these questions and you're showing people some of the background of some of these guys who are coming in, Powell and Flynn, and, uh, and we'll talk about Lynn Wood in a, in a bit, is when they when they are when they're coming in, they're coming in as though they're there for righteousness. They're there to do the right thing. As you've said, we've had all these court cases, and not a one of them gets through. Now, how can that be? And then when you start going to some of the the documentation of the cases, and the judge says, "So is this a case of fraud?" And Giuliani is one who will say, "Well, no, it's not really about that. It's something else." And they're not presenting the evidence that at least we see um, these anomalies of the numbers. Uh, they did they, in Vegas. And okay, they, they were, did in Vegas. Okay, they were limited in in and this guy's name's Binnell. Okay, but um, I think in a, some of these cases, the legal ramifications are that the judge is not going to oversee a fraud case because I guess they didn't have time. So I think that there's a legal wrinkle to it that says uh, there's got to be a constitutional constitutionality to it versus a fraud case, a fraud case, the remedy is going to take too long to produce because now you're going to have um, discovery, uh, all kinds of evidentiary hearings and the whole ball of wax. So they're trying to avoid that. Like the plague, if this is a fraud case, we're going to send this back down to the district court and you're going to decide, but that's going to have to be decided after the fact. Right. So that's what they were afraid of. See, there's a timing issue. So in that particular case, um, I think that the constitutional cases and this is what's bothering me, too, is that everybody's talking about a march on Washington. And that's the wrong venue. There should be a, a march on Maricopa County. There should be a march yep. on Clark County. There should that's be right. a march in Harrisburg and there should be a march in Fulton County. Yep. And that's where the state legislatures re reside to uh, make a difference. And that means to decertify 
the only path to victory that people need to understand is that the states today or tomorrow, but before the 6th, they have to decertify. The path to victory is for the state legislature to actually overrule the will of the governor and the secretary of state. And that's how you get it done, son. Because the idea is that the courts don't want to get involved with overthrowing an election one way or the other. And and uh, Pence is a bean counter. And people need to understand that his role is to count beans. Okay, Pence, he's going to count, and he can count. There's no doubt about it. He can count the one to 100. He can count. So he's got that down. But he's not going to be allowed to uh, do anything but a, a hear an objection, and then the objection gets made, and it has to be from both sides, and that's almost a guarantee you're going to get that. So you're going to have an objection in the House. You're going to have an objection in the Senate, and you're like, oh, great. And when I see these articles posting around that 140 congressmen have stepped up, so what? It's it's as good as one because if you don't have yeah. if you don't have 218, you're done, and you don't have 218 in the House, and you don't even have 51 in the Senate. That's the problem. So people aren't speaking in reality here. The reality is, yes, you got the objections. Yes, you get the two-hour hearing. But no, you don't have 51 Senate votes and you don't have 218 congressional votes to sustain the objection. You You need both at the same time. So if you really wanted to actually do the right thing, those states, the seven, New Mexico, Nevada, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Georgia, those seven, if they were big enough to say, you know, uh, we're going to go ahead and put together a dual cert and send it off. But the governor and the secretary of state said, we're going to acknowledge the Democrat, not the other one. Then um, they send them out over. Um, I don't think you need a full house vote to get the dual uh, certification. You might, you might not. I'm, I'm unclear about that. But if you were big enough to get that certification, you should be big enough to then send up the right cert or at least say, we don't have enough evidence to to uh to acknowledge the certification we're going to decertify what the governor secretary of state said and pence is going to have an empty envelope and if he does that if you do that with um wisconsin arizona and georgia or georgia uh, pennsylvania and um in arizona something like that all you have to do is get biden down below 270 and you can do that there's seven states you can like three big wins out of the seven and and just to get it decertified, it becomes an empty envelope. Pence, again, is a bean counter. And once again, at that point, you might get a Democrat objection instead of a Republican objection. It might change the whole ga- landscape. But still, you're never going to get those two chambers to overthrow the will of the people. So at that point, Pence is going to say, we don't have 270 for either candidate. We're going to send it to the House and the delegates are going to vote, and the delegations represent 30 Republican delegations and 20 Democrat delegations, and Trump wins 30 to 20, and we he gets reelected. That's how that works. But to, to do the Jericho march and do the rally in Georgia uh, that Lynn Wood was saying don't vote, None of that was helpful. Okay, let's let's take that one. Let's take that one right there, Scott. 
the issue with Lynn Wood and showing up at this thing to tell people not to vote. I mean, what do you make of that? And I'm seeing people in the chat room saying he's a patriot. How do you, how are you a how are you a patriot going out having a rally and then telling people not to vote when they need they need to go let their voice be heard? Well, and let, let's also get the name right. It's 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 a lifelong Democrat, Linwood, who donated to Obama and Hillary, Linwood. Uh, he could say he likes uh, he could say he likes Trump all he wants, but what has he done to, to help Trump? I mean, he helped he helped Nick Sandman uh, because he made millions off of that deal, and he helped Richard Jewell, and he gave, became famous off of that. So where he has won in life, it's it's actually come directly back to him. And I do recall that in Georgia, uh, here's a guy that just made tens of millions of dollars from Nick Sandman. That's in the Nick Sandman case. And he's still asking for money. And that was a fundraiser for their funds. Now, now they got this thing called Kraken Wood. And you got Kraken as the, the person we know. And you know, is a total fraud and a stolen Ballard person and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yep. Um, and so, you know, the idea is that we know that the Kraken is BS. And so then therefore we know that this whole story uh, that came out about the servers in Germany and Barcelona yep. and all is a that lie. was a complete and total disinformation. Yep. And it was done by somebody who, also put out the disinformation related to Shadowgate. Shadowgate was a complete fraud of a of a of a of a video that went viral, and uh, that was all fraud. I mean that 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 thing was that news that they reported on was two and a half years old, older, and I happen to know because I did some of the research with one of the uh, people um, years prior, a couple of a year or two prior. So it just doesn't make any sense. You know, um, I, no, absolutely. Any, well, what, what it doesn't make any sense is, is that Sidney Powell would be associated with such a loser. Right. So why would she do that? And and you, you got to ask yourself that question. And then who's she connected with? She's connected with Lynn Wood. And I happen to know some people that were in D.C. for the Jericho March and they saw Sidney Powell and Patrick Byrne and uh, and General Flynn all at the table together. And then you got this guy named Ali Alexander and you got uh, Ed Martin and you got a whole bunch of other characters that are seem to be riding the last Trump coattail, you know, into the sunset and trying to jockey for like a new position in the, in what they falsely foresee as a new power structure within the Republican party. And I like what, Matt Gates said, he said, this is Trump's party now. Now, you may disagree with that, Tim, and, and that's okay. But, I mean, the idea is I'm a big Trump fan. and, and Sure, you might I know not that. Much, but, but the idea is, is that I think that a lot of Trump's uh, agenda is perfectly good for the Republican Party. And, um, and so I think that what they're trying to do is be the biggest Trump patriot when they were the latest to bloom. You know, they were late bloomers to the Trump party 
And all of a sudden they're trying to take ownership. I mean, some of these people are registered Democrats. Sure. Let's see. Flynn, registered Democrat. I wouldn't be surprised if Sidney Powell was a registered Democrat because of the glowing appraisal she wrote to Emmett Sullivan. The she at least judge. has that background. Yes. Yeah. And, and then and then you got um, Lynn Wood, a registered Democrat. Um, again, Joseph, Flynn, I mean, uh, uh, Mike Flynn, General Flynn is a, is a registered Democrat hired by Obama twice. And so, you know, and Patrick Byrne is a registered Democrat. He, he funded um, Obama and Hillary. So my, my point is, is that how in the world did we get to the place in a, a conservative movement and a Republican Party where the entire upper echelon of the leadership are Democrats. I mean, did we have that problem with Michael Steele? Did we have that problem with Jeff Flake and John McCain? I mean, there was a lot of problems with these neocons, so, so-called neocons that were really formerly liberals that disguised themselves as Republicans because for one reason or another, like in John McCain's case, uh, John McCain was an Oregon Democrat um, that, you know, went to Yale, I think it was, and then became a war hero if you believe that. And and um, and then married into money with a distribution uh, company. And his wife was in, happened to be in Arizona, Goldwater country. So do you think he would have won a Senate seat if he ran as a Democrat? No. But he was a Democrat that dressed him up in sheep's clothing uh, so he could win a political seat. But, but let's 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 interject something here, Scott, because, <clears throat> you know, and 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 everybody, <clears throat> I hope, understands uh, the differences that, that you and I have. Uh, they've listened to me enough on here. And I know some other people have listened to you. <clears throat> but I think the problem is, is what you just asked. Well, how are these, quote unquote, Democrats? How are they doing this that, and the other? Well, they're doing it because the, quote unquote, Republicans are letting them do it. You know, our founding fathers warned us about this stuff. John Adams said, There is nothing which I dread so much as a division of the republic into two great parties, each arranged under its leader. You just said the Trump, the Trump party. Well, we're not the Trump party. I mean, this is the problem. This is the real problem. We're supposed to be about the Constitution, oh, I not said about Trump agenda. I said Trump agenda. Right, agenda. But his agenda, let, let's just go through some of that. What he says and what he does often are two different things. Mm-hmm. For instance, he says, he has said he's the self-professed most pro-life president in American history. That is just a lie. There were a ton of presidents that came before him that never oh, funded one dime. I actually to, think he supports late-term abortion. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. But his people, his supporters think he is pro-life, that he still doesn't fund uh, Planned Parenthood $100 million dollars than, more, more than Obama. Than Ob- He's more pro-life than Obama. But and Biden. Mo- more pro-life is kind of like saying that uh, Hitler no, killed less people than Stalin. That, but that's, when given two choices. Well, no, you're not given two choices. You're actually get, you're actually given more than 1,100 people uh, to vote for this year. What happened is is the people who say they don't believe the media believe the media and believe there's only two choices, and the two parties control it. In fact, when you when people fill out their taxes, which you really people are really ought to look into what that yeah, is about. You, Jer- Jergensen fails in other issues. Right? Well, I'm not talking about Jergensen. I'm, there's 1,100 people that people could vote for. But I don't for even for, know them. Well, but that's because people don't do their due diligence and they just mm-hmm. sit at the idiot's lantern, as my friend Kate at the UK said, yeah. or the radio, and they get told what to vote for. It's, it's this guy or yeah, this guy. Tim, I think so, that what you're saying here works academically, right? But in the real world, you know, there's a great scene in... Um, 
Back to School. I don't know if you've ever saw that with Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, it's it an old film. Did you ever see it? Yeah, sure. Um, but he was like uh, in this world of academia and the guy was like, uh, and you have to, you know, set up these things and you have to set up these things. And Rodney Dangerfield says, oh, you missed a lot of stuff. You got the mob coming in, you know, to t- take clean up your trash bags and you got to grease some palms with the inspector from the city. You know, all these different things that are in real life. And in real life, I mean, we live in a real life world where we're, you know, unfortunately, in some ways, to your point, we, we are in a society where we everything is got to be put in a box and we get, we consume it, you know, and so we can't handle you know, more than five candidates, we wouldn't know what to do with that. Um, it would be chaotic to us. Uh, but, you know, they do have some jumble elections in uh, jungle elections in Georgia and in Oregon, I think, and in California, they have jungle elections. So, you know, maybe that's what you're looking for, a jungle election. <laughs> no, I'm not. Actually, one of the things that, that I'm trying to do here is I'm going back to the, you know, everybody says the founding fathers are wise, Scott. And so I'm quoting the founding fathers. This is John Adams. I could quote George Washington, who said, The alternate domination of one faction over another, sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, which is different ages and countries, has has perpetuated the most horrid enormities. Now, these are guys who live through it, okay? Mm -hmm. Is itself a frightful despotism. Now I, I got to ask people in the in the Democrat Republican thing that think that's the way to go that the two party system is Americanism. You guys have been voting that way for two hundred years almost, almost one hundred and seventy at least, and you've gone further and further and further down the road of socialism than anything else. So we can sit here and we can say this isn't real world, but at some point let, let's 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 put this here. At some point. There has to be a way of saying, okay, I've had enough out of both of you knuckleheads in both of these parties, and I'm going to look for people, not as a party, but as people who actually uphold this. They don't talk about upholding it and then don't uphold it like we see with, oh, I don't know, the NDA being, NDAA being passed here uh, and, and overriding a veto. And I told uh, people Trump would... NDAA, yeah, makes yeah let, let's, let's hit that. Um, Trump well, said well, he would I veto see, that. I want to say one okay. thing to what you just said. Yeah, go ahead. I think that where we could go right is um, with election of, uh, reform. I mean, uh, election reform, campaign finance reform, because what happens is corporations dictate the terms of things and corporations are allowing people to buy up all the ad space. So I that, agree they're doing that. So that the 18th person on your list uh, out of the 1,100 candidates um, can't even can't even buy ad space because a it's overpriced because it's been saturated and b they're not getting the corporate funding to compete you know and they're not getting aware name recognition or awareness uh on a national level sure you can you can be a nobody or or no name person i should say not a nobody but a no name person and win a local seat but to win a statewide seat you need a lots of bank to be to be a senator more so than, say, a congressman where you only have to win your district. So, I mean, the idea is, is that we need campaign finance reform. And they've been talking about that for ages. But it's how we do get the Bob Corkers and the John McCains and the Jeff Flakes and the Justin Amashes of the world is, is we get these people in um, 
and so many so many of the wrong people nancy pelosi well let uh, hang, hang on let, no, let, let's stop people. right there a second because yeah. justin amash has stood for the constitution more than any of the other guys who who are big gop guys i'm you know he takes yeah, a beating over some things i get it he's I made a couple personally. of bad decisions but but yeah. he's but he stood for the constitution that's when i mean he's one of the few guys i don't even know anybody who does it after he votes he goes and he goes and reports to the people that that elected him and tells mm-hmm. them why he voted for or against a bill I know. so I know he's, <clears throat> he's a lot different than a jeff flake i would say but here, no, 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 here's no, no. A, i don't want to i'm not comparing the two sure here's here's the thing i want to i want to bring up is is that again we're at an issue to where we keep doing the same stuff over and over. The Democrats mm-hmm. yeah. have their mask off. The Republicans have their mask on, telling you they're, they are for the Republic. They are for the Constitution. And when the Democrats do, I mean, it's like um, the other day, the, uh, the COVID relief bill. Okay, So the president signs that one. And then all, the, all his supporters go, well, the Democrats put all the pork in there. Well, I'd say, you know, Scott, it's like, having a revolver and <clears throat> i say well the democrats put all the guns in it but trump pulled the trigger it's the same thing you've got both of them working to advance the same agenda and when when you talked about the agenda the agenda sounded good when he was talking about it but then we get stuff like the usmca that is a total sellout of american sovereignty it is a total sellout of american sovereignty. in fact it is the establishment of the foothold of the north american union which uh, Ted Cruz's wife, Heidi, was a part of in putting together with the Council on Foreign Relations. So <clears throat> while I I can appreciate the things, you know, that we that I brought you on here to talk about, because I th- because I think it should help people to see the names that we mentioned, Flynn and Powell and um, uh, Wood, you and I are in agreement that there's something funny going on with those guys. They are not what they're what who they say they are oh, or yeah. doing what they're the saying latest. they're doing. You take the latest with Patrick Burns video in yep. Georgia, right? Yep. Again, show me where show me the evidence, right? Show me some things. And uh look, I hope they come through and deliver on their promises, but you think that they would have done it by now, right? So I'm I'm hoping I'm still going to give them, you know, give them the, the floor and and hope that they win. But so far, they've had they've had no wins. They've had no wins for for the president that they uh, so-called advocate for. So, you know, those videos that of the enterprise trucks, they didn't do a heck of a lot, really. I mean, you got a video of a truck, but you don't know what's really inside the truck. And you, you right. And then all of a sudden, where did the trucks go? They went to the shredder. That sounds like something you just made up. Okay, so now they're going to the shredder, so all the evidence is gone, but there's the evidence. No, there's a truck, <laughs> you know? I mean, there's a truck, and, and then the other part is, so there's no chain of custody to the concept. And so long as, and this is the problem I have with the election, is if you have, you know, signature ballots, and then you throw all the signature ballots out, and then you have an audit, a signature audit, with no signature ballots and you're just supposed to take somebody's word for it. And they came in on trucks in the middle of the night and there's no chain of custody. It just seems to me like, you know, one of the things I've been advocating for is video surveillance of every precinct of every counting position, every single place. And, and you know, video surveillance should work. Now you may not like that. It might be a, but you know, when you walk into a bank, you expect you're going to be videotaped, right? 
And, uh, you know, that's just to prevent crime. And uh, in this case, you know, I think that our vote is more sacred than money in a lot of respects and should be protected. In case there's fraud, somehow we got to have some way to figure out chain of custody. Sure. And, you know, see where things come from. Well, I think, Scott, we, we learned I, I did this with um, we had Captain Carl on. And we played the little video clip. I don't know if you've seen it. The Battle of Athens was an old movie uh, based off the story that happened <clears throat> where the the veterans, the the guys in the town, the, the sheriff and the mayor, had taken the, the ballot box and they were stuffing. They literally took it out and were going to stuff the ballot box. And the veterans came along and said, go get the guns from the armory. We're going to go get that ballot box and we're going to count the votes. We're not going to let tyrants run us. And that is what Americans have done. This is why I liked what you had to say about it. it the people going to, to uh, January the 6th are doing absolutely nothing. They may feel good about going and protesting there, but what they need to do is be protesting in their in their own states against yeah. the corruption of what's going on. All politics is really local in the first place. And that's where they need to go. I think that's where the actions really need to be targeted by the well, people the that see the corruption. D-class. D-class and the only power. And the courts kind of had it right. The courts said, there, see, the courts didn't rule on this. The higher courts, they didn't rule on this because they said this, is, this has a remedy. What's the remedy? The remedy is the uh, state legislation. If they feel like they've been disenfranchised, if they feel like there's been a constitutional issue where the secretary of state and the governor went rogue and did uh, made rule changes without state legislature approval, then they should object and they should decertify. If they feel like a case has been made for fraud and that further investigation needs to happen, then they need to congregate take a vote and certify their own electorates, which they did, but then they need to decertify with the will of the governor and the secretary of state because they could decertify the will of the governor and the secretary of state because they actually have a constitutional authority in that realm. Unlike Pence or the, you know, uh, Pence in that case, um, the Congress is not willing to overrule the will of the state, but the state legislature being from within the state can actually overrule the will of the governor and the secretary of state because they have authority. So the path to victory for Trump and people need to understand this is through the state legislature and the courts have pretty much spelled it out and said, we would weigh in on this, but it's not the court's jurisdiction to actually meddle in elections and overturn the results of elections that there's a remedy for that. And the path in that remedy is with the state legislature. Well, oh. there's there's two things in that. Uh, one, there is the state legislature. Uh, Article 2, Section 1 says each state shall appoint in ma such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. But no senator or representative or person holding an office of trust or profit under the United States shall be appointed as an elector. Now, Chris Ann Hall had addressed this when there was talk about taking this to the Supreme Court. And her point was very simple. 
the states themselves have an argument with other states who aren't following their own laws that they wrote regarding electors. And so therefore they do have standing, but the yes. pro and that's where Texas I think was coming in. They do have a standing yet. The Supreme court isn't doing his job. And I would remind people you've got three people on that court that are put in there by Trump. That's, that's three quarter. That's a, that's a third of the court that's put on there by Trump. You've got others that are continuing to put this this stuff down to not look at it, but then you've got the attorneys not really providing the evidence. They're claiming there's evidence. I think there is evidence, but they're not they're not they're not putting it forward. Yeah, but I think that the biggest problem on the court it wasn't Alito and it wasn't Thomas. It was uh, Justice 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 uh, Roberts hmm. uh, that. Because the chief justice, one of their roles is to play a little bit like a majority leader, which is to uh, has more control over what they put on the docket. OK. All right. We're getting close to the end of the show here. Yeah. And I, I do want to get a get a, a little chime in on this issue of coming up because January the 6th, they're supposed to do this certification. Now, again, under Article 6, Section 1, we're told what the vice president's role is um, in this matter. And uh, like you said, the bean counter, if you will. What are you seeing coming forward here? And uh, if Pence goes right along with it, which you know, I just don't see okay. Pence as the as the stand up guy to do the to do the the thing here. But uh, what do you see him? What do you see him doing? Because there's people already filed a lawsuit to somehow make him or you know force him to do something. I just, I just know, don't Peter get Navarro it. Navarro said that uh, you know that you could actually delay the twentieth. I, I like what Ted Cruz came up with. And that was to um, to have a ten day de- delay in the in, in official uh, in cre- uh, making the results official, and that is to do a complete audit uh, of the election, and uh, because there was a lot of fraud, I just think that Pence hands are somewhat tied. I think that you know Gomert's uh, case was to give Pence more flexibility as to what he could decide. And that that's interesting. Um, but that got, you know, that got thrown out. And so the issue is Pence, you know, he made the statement that said, I look forward to objections, but the objections are going to rely on, on a major, simple majority vote in each chamber, both at the same time, they're never going to get, they're never going to get 218 and they're never going to get 51. McConnell's pretty much made that clear. So is Thune from South Dakota. So I don't think that the objections are going to pan out. Uh, uh, you know, there are a lot of pressure is going to be applied, but they, they are not going to overrule. They're not going to sustain the objection to overrule the will of the state. They've made that very clear. But the state legislatures are where it's at. So I'm going to be looking at what happens today. And then there's a rally uh, tonight. And then there's an election tomorrow. And I think that the election on the 5th is going to have some significant impact on how much pressure goes with those votes on the 6th. Because if they if if, uh, somehow Georgia uh, goes the way of the Democrats, then there's going to be a lot more pressure to reelect President Trump. So that that's kind of another dynamic. Okay. And then the, and then Scott, you have the um, let me let me interject yeah. something. Hold on to that thought uh, because I do want to address something. Um, Sally is saying Pence was empowered by the lawsuit. The judge is corrupt. Well, here, Sally, this is all it says about um, the vice president here. This is Article Two, Section One, um, and it's <clears throat> it's very simple. 
the president of the Senate, that's the vice president, shall in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives open all their certificates, and the vote shall then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes shall be president. If such number of a majority of the whole number of electors appointed, and if there be more than one who have such majority, blah, 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 he goes down, and then he talks about those who have of the vice president. So his job is just what Scott said. It is to count the votes. That's what he's to do. Now, if if there's something else that's got to be done, then the guys need to bring forth. This is, I think, this is what you're saying, Scott. They need to, um, for lack of a better term, they need to show the money, don't they? They need to show there's actual fraud. They've no, got to needs, actually. He needs to actually open up an envelope from Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania, and those envelopes need to be empty. You see what I mean? Yeah. That they, they, if he if he gets an empty vote, then he doesn't count that. He doesn't count there's the no vote. votes to count. Yep. Right. Yep. So he puts a big egg, you know, goose goose egg right there. <laughs> yeah. And once you get three goose eggs from three of the three big states out of the seven, you don't get the two seventy. And if you don't get the two seventy, Trump's going to win the delegate. Vote. And this is why you're it's telling people. This is why state. you're. This is why you're telling people to go in their own states, not go to Washington. Yeah. They're being diverted, right? Yeah. The energy is being wasted. Yeah. On on Capitol Hill. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, let me see if there was one other thing I want to uh, – one of the other things that I, you know, I think about is in our – in our own republic here, you know, we often talk about the judgment of God. We read Deuteronomy 28. We read Leviticus 26. We see how it panned out in Revelation, the book of Revelation for the people of Israel uh, and the judgment that God promised them if they departed from his ways. Our country was founded. There's no question. Nobody can deny the history that we have as a Christian nation. Just for four or five hundred years – Nobody can deny that. So we're, we're seeing this. I think all of this is exactly part of that judgment. I, don't, I do think there's a lot of scripting. Um, I've said before, you know, Trump was groomed by the media, and all of a sudden, boom, they just turned on him psh, like this. It's like there was a script. It's like the gravitas thing that came out years ago for uh, whoever that was that, that was running. I don't forget who it was. Um, but they, all, the, all the outlets picked up on the script, and they went with that script. So we have all this stuff going on, and uh, and now we've got these guys coming in, riding in as though they're going to save the election and this, that, and the other. And I appreciate you speaking very forthright on on that and giving us your your opinion on those things. Uh, we got thirty about thirty seconds or so here, Scott. And uh, what I want you what I want to do is, if people want to find out more about you, tell them where they can find out more about you, man. ScottAdamsShow.com and RedStateTalkRadio.com, and that's what we do. We just uh, trying to bring truth to light and uh, bring a voice to the silenced. Okay. All right. And I can, I can speak very clearly on that, uh, that, uh, you know, Scott and I, you guys uh, have listened to Scott this morning and you listen to me and you know that we have some differences of opinion there and even how we are viewing certain things, but Scott's given me a platform. And um, so he's one that, that welcomes the ideas and welcomes them to be challenged. I don't know why my, um, screen isn't changing but uh there it is uh anyway <laughs> thank you scott we appreciate your time this morning i thank you for jumping on really early with me and uh you guys 23 hours we'll be back with you and uh we'll have cover something else then i don't know what we're going to cover at that time i guess i'll decide in the morning till then see you